Hello, my name's Mark. Hi, I'm Brian, and welcome to the Therapy Shed Podcast. Good afternoon. Feels a bit strange, doesn't it? We're sitting in a different formation than we normally sit in. Doing it again. Doing yeah. it again. You know, we've said this on previous episodes, haven't we? You know, it just messes with my head. It really does. The whole, it's like Ant and Deck. You're on the left, <laughs> I'm on the right. It doesn't work yeah. any other way. I know it's strange. Isn't That's it? the magic. It's where it comes from. The seating arrangement. Because we normally have a guest, don't we? I'm sitting in the guest chair, which is normally my chair, but I normally, uh, what's the word? Give it up. For the guests, I see. Yeah. Um, so I just thought I'd jump in this chair today because it's probably where I feel most comfortable. Okay, mm. that is important too. Yeah. Okay. So, how's things? How's your your summer going? Good, good. Thank you. Yeah, I um, well, I've had a little break from uh, from practice recently, so um, I uh, obviously that's why we've been we've had a few a couple of weeks off the uh, the podcast as well. Mm. Um, yeah, I'm feeling okay. Just uh, enjoying the sunshine. I think you can get too much of a good thing, though. I'm, mm. a, I'm a sunshine person. Yeah, you've got a good tan going on there. But <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> However, I do think sometimes I'm like, I need to get out of the sun. You know, it can just swells you, doesn't it? You know, you get too hot, yeah. and then you're like, interestingly as well. Often what we talked about, and I'm sure we talk about with clients is. The, the change in the weather can often trigger anxiety mm-hmm. as well because obviously the body can interpret being hot and having dry mouth and being dehydrated and what have you as physical symptoms of anxiety, you know yeah. what I mean? So when the uh, when the weather does change, often it can, you do you do find a spike in anxiety so it's just, it can be helpful to mm-hmm. just get, keep, keep that in mind, shall we say. Well, well people, um, a lot of people who know about SAD, seasonal affective disorder, presume mm. that it only happens in the winter, but it can happen all year round, so mm. it is SAD in the summer as well as the winter, it's just it's a bit more common in the winter, um, because obviously the dark nights and the dark mornings and things like that, but actually yeah, the, you know, it is something to just maybe be a little bit mindful of, um, but it's still nice to get away and have some nice weather and just relax and switch off. It is indeed, yeah, it is indeed, yeah. I, must be uh, thankful for nice weather, summertime. Um, how are you? Have you been getting on? Good. I'm. I'm still busy. My my break's not coming until next week. I'm. I'm away um, for a little bit next week. I'm having a, a good two week break. Um, I'm gonna spend some time away, um, which I'm really looking forward to because, like a lot of people, it's been two three years in the making because of COVID and lockdown and holidays getting pushed forward and or back. Should I say? Um, so yeah, I'm I'm just this week is me wind down week, so I'm I'm just looking forward to it. I've got a few little bits to, to do but yeah, I'm, I'm a bit like yourself, I'm, you've had your break but you've enjoyed that I'm looking forward to me break. Uh, that's good, yeah, good, good. Um can I ask, who's gonna be in the shed when you're not here? Is it, it getting used? No. 
you know, would you like to use it? Well, yeah. I, I, I was going to say that was kind of, you know, a non-verbal <laughs> agreement that we've got. <laughs> do you know what it was? I, no, I thought you were asking me is because um, and I, I do apologise because I forgot the name, but um, little Naomi will be coming to sit in here. Um, little Naomi. Oh, oh no. yeah. Oh, what was the name? Because we had a few, didn't we? We had uh, Debbie. Um, finalised it, didn't she? What Debbie did she picked the name. That's yeah. well. She picked the name from people who'd uh, put it on uh, on Instagram. Something in the shed, wasn't it? So, something. Uh, Fred in the shed. Was it Fred? Yeah, Fred, Fred in, in the, the shed. shed. I, I think, think that was, was it. Yeah. yeah. So Fred um, would probably be <laughs> camping in here. But yeah, by all means, you can you can use it. Yeah. Just if you need to chill out, it's a very relaxing space. We've said this before, haven't we? Yeah. Um, okay. So today we're just um, we're kind of going to have a bit of a chat about the guests, the brilliant guests that we've had on in series three, mm-hmm. um, and and also talk a bit about. I think one of the themes with series three has been obviously access and support, hasn't it? Mm-hmm. And um, the different services that are out there, just in the just in Liverpool. Alone, you know, there's lots of services that have uh, that have been founded and developed over over the past few years, mm-hmm. um, and in our in our own little way, that's kind of part of the reason that we did series three and trying to give a bit of a visibility, shall we say? Yeah. You know, just a bit of a bit, bit of awareness. Um, so show, showcase, really, I suppose. Is the yeah, yeah. That use and so we had like Andy's Andy from Andy's Man Club. Mm-hmm. Um, a men's support group operating a city centre so there's an episode on that we had uh, Cathy mm-hmm. the lovely Cathy Lapsley from um, Love Jasmine yeah. supporting child loss and bereavement mm-hmm. um, we've had Debbie from Sean's Place yeah. on um, again men's support uh, a men's support group in uh, based in Bootle yeah. um, that's it Oh, of course, yeah, the brilliant Vicky Green from uh, from Rasa. Um, so yeah, access and support has been a big part of it. You know, a, a big kind of theme yeah. for this series. And those that we've just mentioned, that just a, a very small amount of support that's out there locally for people to to access. Um, again, if in an ideal world we would have had every single support agency or you know group that we could on, um, you're probably talking. Know, what would you say? Hundred maybe? Is that, mm. do you think? But slightly more. Yeah, so a lot. I suppose the big thing about any sort of you know, which we'll get into more, but you know, support groups, agencies um, that are specifically um, designed or operated for mental health um, is great, but also support can be something it doesn't have to have sort of mental health support above the door support could just be going to get going to do a hobby where you don't talk about mental health but it has a positive effect on your mental health that could still be classed as support couldn't it oh god yeah i think that's invaluable as well but i appreciate you you bringing that up because something i was thinking about with uh you know talking about access and support and mental health and i you know i bring this into the therapy room quite often with clients as well is one of the one of the kind of um, most common presentations, shall we say, one of the key symptoms almost of depression, you know, an anxiety disorder, whatever it may be that people are struggling with in their mental health, is is self monitoring mm-hmm. and and c- constantly thinking about your mental health. Yeah, 
do you know what I mean so what you've just described there I think is just so important it's it's not always about you know how we so so one of the key symptoms of an anxiety disorder is the first thing you do when you wake up in the morning is 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 check how do I feel mm-hmm. how do I feel right now in this moment do I feel okay mm-hmm. it, it's actually unhealthy it's a really unhealthy thing to do that is to constantly be checking in with exactly what emotion you're feeling at any given moment yeah. because you're putting yourself under so much pressure you're kind of scrutinising you know your mind in many ways. And that's kind of what anxiety feeds off then. Mm-hmm. It feeds off a constant sense of what we call self monitoring. Yeah. So I think it's what you're what you've just mentioned there, I think is just crucial, isn't it? It's access and support isn't always about going to therapy or talking about your your, your mood and your mind and so on. Of course that can be that you know, that's s- such a big part of access and support. But there's also things that you do that are good for your mind without mm-hmm. it being like a, a, a a self-reflection you know or self kind of disclosure mm-hmm. so to speak it's things that are healthy for you yeah you know so for example going to the gym is could be your support that's the mm-hmm. place you go for support but you support and yourself type of thing mm-hmm. or it might be you go into the gym and you do a class or you're involved you know whatever pt or whatever and although you might not be talking about your mental health it's having a positive impact on your mental health so that's the type of support that that's the support that works for you obviously a lot of the things we're talking about and um, the guests that we've we've had on sort of specifically are almost around specific mental health support so for example Sean's place men's mental health and well-being but like Debbie was saying it's not every time you go there you sit down and you just talk about mental health there'll probably be elements of that but then there's also other things that yeah. you do where you mental health's not even mentioned it could be you know one of, one of the things they said they do about like the the anglican they've got a they've got a fishing yeah, club yeah yeah fishing an, an, uh, angling club they've got a anglican that's all right fishing club yeah so i'm, I'm presuming because i've not been but to, to the fishing club but that they don't sit there talking about mental health but actually by them going as a group community fishing it will be helping the mental health and, that, and that's the point of, of that type of support massively massively Brian. i couldn't agree more because like the you know you mentioned sean's place there they've also got um they have music music um sessions i think mm-hmm. once a week they have, like guitar playing and mm-hmm. um and things like that uh you know i'm a huge music fan myself and and, and, and play guitar and stuff and and that's you know there's so much research so much evidence that shows how, how uh, healthy that is for your mind you know the different areas of the brain that light up when you're listening to music that yeah. speaks to you and, and, and you know if you play an instrument similar um, but it's um, those sorts of things are they can give us that sense of belonging they can give us that sense of of mattering mm-hmm. we matter to someone else you know and it's not about it's not all, always about just talking about our thinking patterns or our emotions like we'd, we'd associate with 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 a therapy session shall we say but those sorts of things are a huge part of our of mm-hmm. they're so therapeutic do you know what i mean they're so so healthy for the mind ultimately for me i think what it all comes down to is connecting you're Definitely. connecting with other people and that's what a big part of um of trauma but you know in all other aspects of sort of mental health but, but certainly trauma is about 
reconnecting it's about being feeling part Definitely. of a community reconnecting with others you, you know and i think again a lot of these support groups agencies you know um, it, it's all about the sense of community it's all about sort of people coming together to sort of support and and help each other and i think that's mm. you, you know that that's a, a really important part of of what goes on in, in, in those those groups and those agencies mm. Yeah, absolutely, and I think that in different ways, each of the um, each of the episodes, obviously each each uh, guest, the service that they you know that they are a part of, Sean's place, Rasa, Andy's man club, love Jasmine, in their own different ways. That's exactly what that was kind of a, a consistent theme throughout yeah. all of them, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Talking to each of those lovely guests was that. They're encouraging people to connect. They're yeah. encouraging groups. They're encouraging mental health and therapy sessions and so on. But as well as that, just as important to their service, are those kind of those um, you know th- those other things that they offer. You know, like fishing club, a music club, a, you know, coffee mornings. Yeah. I know obviously a couple of the services they they run coffee mornings where people can just come and connect with each other. Yeah. And that's invaluable to your mental health. Definitely, but with, with all the guests and, and all the, the services that they offer, there was definitely a sense of community with, with, within that. It's about, oh, yeah. you, you know, that was the, the one thing that I felt they sort of all had in common almost that there was that sense of sort of community of mm. people coming together and, you know, connecting and just sort of, you know, yeah. Yeah, without a doubt, yeah. And um, everybody has their own, their own experience shall we say their own individual experience of of accessing support you know of engaging with a with a service or with a therapist and or whatever it may be whatever whatever support is right for you mm-hmm. everybody does have their own individual experience of, of that um and i think i learned a lot from the guests as well you know Definitely. i think they were brilliant and uh, i'm just thinking now andy from andy's man club mm-hmm. um he shared his story about how he he when he first went to Andy's man club, yeah. and he said he was really nervous. Yeah, which I think is such you know, you and I I think mm-hmm. can speak for ourselves, and, and you know I'm sure we're going to share some examples today of our own personal experiences, but but as well when we offer you know we're, we're therapists as our our job is, and working with clients the amount of times a client comes through the door, and one of the first you know. Like often for me, I'll say, "Can you give me a recent example?" Mm-hmm. This isn't the first thing I'll say. I'll say hello yeah. when I first see them. Like, but in that, in as part of the assessment, I might say, "Can you give me an example of something recently that's happened, a recent experience for you, where which you'd you'd say is is a good example of what what's basically brought you to therapy?" Mm-hmm. And the amount of times I don't know about yourself, Brian, but the amount of times a client has said, "Come into this session," I yeah. was terrified. I mm-hmm. felt like I was going to have a panic attack. Yeah. I was having really intrusive thoughts. I was feeling really anxious, yeah. and so on. And it's interesting because I'll always make a point if that is the client's example of coming to the session. Obviously, we'll talk that through, and then at the end of the session, I'll say, "Can I ask where are you now with coming to the session? Do you yeah. still feel the same?" And so far, touch wood, so far, every client says, oh, "I feel much much better about it yeah. now. I've kind of my anxiety's dropped a lot." Mm-hmm. And it is that thing, isn't it? Of it's you're stepping in you're stepping the biggest step often that you you make in accessing support whether that's a group whether it's meeting someone for the first time or obviously walking into a therapy room 
the biggest step often is that step First across step. through the through the door. Yeah. Yeah, I'd definitely say you might assume that I have you know clients who come for the first time, especially if they've never accessed therapy before. The very first session, they'll you know they'll often say the first thing they'll say is I'm feeling really nervous or really anxious about it, and you know again it's normalising it and saying that you know it's it's normal. A lot of people feel the same. You know, um, there's no pressure and just trying to reassure the clients a little bit, but you know it's normal to feel like that, isn't it? And I think whether you know, I think one of the things that we spoke about is. There's, there's lots of really good, amazing um, services and charities and support getting set up and, mm-hmm. you know, they're amazing um, and there's almost something there for everybody, um, you know, no matter what. Mm. But there's still that little bit of element of stigma around it, isn't it, around sort of accessing mental health support, um, which I think then feeds into it makes it harder for that first step to, to take that first step. So, you know, if you know somebody who's already going to say, let's say Andy's Man Club, and they say, oh, no, I go, then it's probably easier for a person to go because they know somebody there. Yeah, definitely. It normalises it, doesn't it, in the mind. Yeah. It, it, it feels more kind of, oh, so that's not for people who aren't are different to me mm-hmm. because my mate's going or exactly. my relative's going, mm-hmm. you know, to the... To but it's, it's similar. I'm thinking about it, like we said, like you, some just personal examples, but... You know, for example, um, if you want to get healthy and you want to go to the gym and you've never been to the gym before, the hardest part is making that first step mm. uh, of going in because, again, in, in your mind, you might imagine oh, there'll be all these you know, people who are like mega, mega fit and you, you know, super healthy and you know, I'll be going in and you know, looking really unhealthy or unfit. And, yeah. But the reality of it is, you know, until you go, you're not going to know what it's going to be like, but it's probably a mix of all different types of people because that's what the gym is like and the same Absolutely. support groups you know people are like, I'll be potentially I'll, what if I go and I'm the worst person there or you know my problems are worse than others or whatever it might be what you'll probably find is, is exactly the same situation as like going to the gym there'll just be lots of different types of people there for lots of different types of reasons mm. um, but definitely it is about that first step being being the hardest definitely yeah and it is it's We've we've touched on this in previous episodes, haven't we, Brian? It's the 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 part of your your overall mind, what we sometimes call the like the emotional brain, like the emotional anxious brain. Mm-hmm. That part of your overall mind, its number one job is to keep you safe. Yeah, that's it. That's its main purpose. You know, that's its its primary purpose. I so if you're that. stepping into a a new environment, mm-hmm. and particularly in an environment where you feel you you feeling quite self-conscious you know your anxiety your threat response is going to be triggered and it is mm-hmm. going to start you know do, encouraging you to do things yeah. like not go mm-hmm. is an obvious one in order to keep yourself safe yeah. don't go because you don't know what it's going to be like and so mm-hmm. on and so on and you mightn't think it out as literally as I've just said it but that's likely what you'll be feeling yeah. you know avoid don't go that's how you keep yourself yeah. safe but actually once you start once you do step over that step into the door excuse me step through the door you break down that uncertainty and the you know mm-hmm. the unpredictability because you get in the reality of oh it looks like that and that person seemed quite nice when they said hello and there's you know there's people here who are, seem like they're okay mm-hmm. which is which is going to be the case you know yeah. what I mean and obviously there's going to be it's particularly with the services we're talking about like with, with the guests we've had on in this series it's full, the, full of those places are going to be full of compassion yeah. and and tolerance and mm-hmm. 
Well, everybody, that, everybody that's been there, everybody that's there has been that person that was the first time that they made a step. Course, Every person course, that goes yeah. there has gone there for a particular reason. So people, somebody going into, whether again, Andy's Man Club or Sean's Place or whatever, you know, if, if they're going there because they may have anxiety, for example, all the people, all the people, a lot of people that are already going there will understand that, you, you know, it can be difficult making that first first step in but again similar to going back using like the the gym as an example you know a person going to the gym for the first time most people that are in the gym will almost know what it feels like for that person to be the first time going to the gym mm. at some point that would have been them mm. if that makes sense definitely yeah i mean something that has just popped into my head as well is one of the things talking about the you know the 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 brains what we call a threat response to so the brain trying to keep its job is to keep us safe. Um, one of the things that it it can sometimes engage in is what we might call the spotlight effect. So I, I often talk about this a little bit with clients and the spotlight effect is essentially we feel it's built into keeping ourselves safe, the emotional brain, you know, its function is to keep us safe. The spotlight effect essentially is that we perceive ourselves to be more visible and more almost important to other people in a particularly when our threat response has been triggered so mm -hmm. going to the gym you know we're perceiving we're feeling anxious we're mm -hmm. feeling like people are going to be judging us and looking at us and so on and basically the spotlight effect what it says is we're we're far less almost important we're far less interesting to other people in the gym than we're actually perceiving because we're feeling anxious yeah. we're self-monitoring you know, comes back to that again. So and probably, like, and probably because a lot of people there are all thinking the same thing. So yeah, everyone's of course, thinking yeah. everyone's th looking at them or judging them or whatever. But actually, because people are caught up in their own thoughts themselves, mm. they've not even noticed anybody else around them almost. Yeah, yeah. And it is. It, it's it's classic anxiety, that isn't it? It's it's the anxious brain that's feeding us that narrative rather than it being anything like the reality. And access and support is similar in many ways. You know, it's we're per yeah. the perception that we're going to be judged, and, and we're we because I guess with access and support, one of the things, one of the one of the key factors is, understandably, we're very likely to be feeling vulnerable mm -hmm. when we when we walk through the door for the first yeah. time. Whatever whatever support it may be, whatever service or whatever type of support it may be we're going to be feeling vulnerable mm -hmm. and of course when we feel vulnerable that's when those you know that threat response is triggered and that's when we're we're likely to engage in things to make us feel safe like don't go yeah avoidance yeah you know or don't talk so to, you know i mentioned andy from andy's man club before so andy said about when he first went to the group which he now facilitates the liverpool yeah. group mm -hmm. but when he first went to an andy's man club uh, support group he said that he like, drove around the block three or four times yeah. mm -hmm. just because he was so anxious about walking oh, through the door um, and I think something else he mentioned I think uh, one or two of the other guests mentioned this as well is people will, they will you know have the courage and the bravery to, to, to go and they'll attend a group but they won't say anything mm -hmm. And that could go on for weeks and weeks. Yeah. And you know what? That's okay as well. Yeah, there's no expectations. And that's the, the beauty about all of these support groups, the ones that we've had on and I'm imagining all the others that are out there that there's no real expectations uh, of like you must come in and you must do this type of thing. And I think, you know, 
again, you, you mentioned Andy there about driving around before he went in about feeling anxious, and now he he came to Liverpool. There wasn't an Andy's man club, so he got in touch and set one up, and now he facilitates one. And I think Debbie was saying with John's place, there was a couple of people who, again, initially went went there and accessed it, who were you know at a particular place, maybe feeling really anxious or whatever maybe was going on for them and now they've become sort of um, mentors and um, people who are faci- helping facilitate and even I think people come up, have gone on to train yeah, yeah, into, yeah. into therapy but if you would have asked them before I'd imagine if you would have asked them before they walked through the door for the first time how they were feeling they were probably feeling very anxious and nervous and um, not sure about whether it was for them you know Six, I don't know how long it's been, but six months later, twelve months later, they're the the sort of mentors and the and the supporting new people coming in mm-hmm. through through the door, and that's the you know again going back to, um. It often that first step is the hardest, and in CBT we talk about sort of that pre contemplations don't we uh, in the sort of definitely um, around you know it can take people sometimes days weeks months of just contemplating right, okay I need to go this I need to do this I need to do this. Um, it's just getting to that point where you're able to make that first step whether that's the first step going to the gym or the first step going to Andy's Man Club Sean's Place Rasa or you know Love Jasmine or whatever other service is, is out there I think it's just it's getting past those barriers isn't it definitely you know and I think that'd be a good thing to to, to come on to as well um, what are the barriers you know as well as the you know we're talking about the internal barriers shall we say you know the barriers that our mind kind of creates for us like um, you know when I'm talking about the threat response that's a good example of a barrier but there's also practical barriers as well isn't there but just before we come on to that I think um, why do we might be might be good for us to just check try try and answer try mm-hmm. and answer as best we can why do we make excuses might be a strong too strong a word might not be the best choice of word but basically why do we come up with reasons not to access support if we're feeling i'm talking about ourselves as well obviously but and 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 people who we've you know we've worked with and come across why do we think people make reasons you know excuses not to not to go to that therapy session or go to that support group or not to and not and not just kind of should we say official support groups like all of the all of the guests we've mentioned their services but also avoiding socializing mm-hmm. things like that avoiding connecting with people because yeah. for me that's i think that that's the key word i get from everything we're talking about when we're talking about accessing support it's connecting mm-hmm. it's having a meaningful connection yeah. with someone um why do we make excuses or why do we avoid that do you think? I, I think it's probably there's probably a thousand reasons isn't there i think it's quite it's quite a big spectrum but i think if we sort of in my mind sort of narrow it down i think the first thing is something you've touched on around you know the part of our brain which job is to keep us safe or you know certainly perceive keeping us safe mm. is it likes routine because it knows everything so you know going to do something new is it breaking that routine even though we know it might be better for us and it could be really helpful for us because it's a break in that routine for some people you can find that really difficult because there's that little bit of resistance in the brain that's saying oh no because that's going to break our routine and i don't know if that's going to mean we'll be safe or not so i think that's 
that's one aspect aspect of it. Mm. Um, I I think fear, um, fear of being rejected, um, not fitting in, um, especially if people have had other rejections previously in other areas, then that you know the fear of rejection could be um, more. What's the word I'm looking for? The, the, the fear of rejection could be more difficult than actually going to find out if, if you would be rejected or not. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Yeah. I think that's a huge factor. Um, it's incredibly powerful as well, isn't it? That fear of rejection. It's I, think like with, I think with the fear of rejection, what also comes into that is fear of being judged and um, fear of not, um, you, you know, sort of standing out or, you know, being, being different. Uh, I, I think that's probably all in one isn't it you know what I mean? oh yeah there's huge company like associations between everything you've just said there mm-hmm. I think it's like the fear of rejection so being judged might lead yeah. to me being rejected mm-hmm. so it's yeah definitely um, and I mean it comes into often I'm sure yourself often I'll, I'll talk I'll, I'll conversations with clients about perfectionism and like perfectionistic mm-hmm. thinking and and uh, of course in therapy you can explore where that's come from maybe or try and see if there's um, what what the best way of, of unpicking that is shall we say but just on a on a, on a uh, an understanding of perfectionistic thinking that's essentially what you what, what we're getting at there isn't it it's that sense of ad, the fear of failure yeah is more powerful because this is the, it's interesting with perfectionism as well it's uh, something I'm really interested in perfectionism often is leads to people not doing things yeah. or certainly not completing anything so it's not about I only do things when I'm sure that they're going to be done to a really high mm-hmm. standard mm-hmm. perfectionism is actually quite you know it's an incredibly destructive yeah. um, Definitely. condition shall we say and for some, people, for some people they can never reach that perfection because even if it is perfect even if it is perfection yeah, but yeah in their mind it's, it's not no and it's I mean a, a key thing just to mention on perfectionism is it's often your self worth is defined mm-hmm. by your performance in one particular thing yeah. and that's obviously very very mm-hmm. you know unhealthy very unhelpful and uh, can be incredibly destructive a really good technique for that I find just as, a, as a one example is um, 80% so rather than trying to get something 100% right if you're in for 80% 80% is quite a good yeah. high score you know um, but you've still got room if you choose to for improvements and you, you may get 100% but as long as 80% is the goal yeah yeah rather than aiming for 100% aim, aim for 80% yeah you can have that oh, that's nice. thank you very much I'll take that uh, but the other thing I was going to mention about perfectionism as well is you mentioned about like the fear of rejection the fear of uh, failure yeah um, I think that's one of the things that that we can fear when we're accessing support or people are engaging with you know um, almost wanting to come to therapy. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you've had it yourself had it with many clients where they've said, "I uh, I feel like I'm I'm beyond help. Yeah, you know, I'm unfixable." Mm-hmm. Now, as as we always say, you know, no therapist is fixing or certainly shouldn't be trying to fix anybody. Yeah. Um, but that belief can you know can set in for people yeah. where they where it's, I am beyond help, mm-hmm. um, 
and uh, yeah that fear of failure fear of if I try something if I so like in CBT obviously we'll set often you'll set goals um, whether it's short medium or long term goals and if somebody has got a real powerful fear of rejection or fear of failure mm-hmm. they'll really struggle to set goals yeah. you know for their future self because of past disappointments you know painful past events um, and I think that's a thing with that's, that, that's often a thing with with um, as I keep saying walking through the door you know going and meeting people and connecting with people is um, the, f- the fear of it not working out the way I need it to yeah. almost mm-hmm. do you know what I mean yeah definitely I suppose on that note as well I think just um, I know we, we've done an episode all talking about books but you just mentioned fear there quite a lot mm. um, really good book it's quite old now but um, I really like face the fear and do it anyway I don't know if you've um, oh I haven't read that but you've told me about it, it. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a really good book and it explains that really well um, around sort of fear and um, maybe ways to have, to help with with that with you know fear of doing something new mm. or starting something new um, it's quite a good quite a good read definitely yeah I mean and that's you know a huge part of particularly if it's an anxiety disorder you know um, one of the key things to, to try and stop tackling an anxiety disorder is to use that to use that classic thera- therapy therapists um, turn of phrase it's leaning into the fear leaning into the anxiety yeah. you know comes back to what we've been talking about today right doesn't it it's the the threat response the emotional brain its number one job is to keep us safe mm-hmm. so we will engage in what we call safety behaviours you know we'll, we'll avoid yeah. we will like you said to me recently it's that thing of like your emotional brain will it will happily happily is probably not the best choice of word but we know what we mean by that it'll happily tell us what did you say to sit in the corner just go into that corner over there sit there don't move that part of your brain which job it is is to keep you safe and to keep you alive will be quite happy with that because it's doing its job it's got you in the corner nothing bad can happen and you're just there you're not going to move and and that's it you just stay there for the rest of your life that part of your brain will be made up because it's doing its job the problem is that's not living life and and that's that's where that conflict comes in within our brain sometimes around our brain the part of our brain wanting to keep us safe and alive and the other part of our brain that wants to experience the joys of life yeah absolutely you know and as you say that then as a safety behavior that then feeds you know a host of mental health Mm -hmm. problems then doesn't it of being disconnected you know having no sense of purpose no sense of identity and so on and so on um so although we feel safe you know by doing that sort of thing or by disengaging or by not going out and connecting with people whatever socializing whatever it may be accessing support actually you're contributing to the maintenance of you know you the, the problems whatever you reinforce again sometimes like you said you know face to fear and do it anyway or you know just pushing into those anxieties a little bit challenging yourself a little bit um and it doesn't have to you, you know it's not when i say challenge yourself a little bit challenging yourself would be just taking that first step definitely yeah being able to just 
use that critical part of your brain to just think about okay what's the worst case scenario that could happen here mm-hmm. what's the best case scenario what's the most likely scenario um, mm-hmm. and I think you know again taking that first step is like we I know we keep we should feel like I'm repeating myself a little bit but can be the hardest part but once you've taken that first step things can you, you know completely change for you for the better well I couldn't agree more yeah and I think so many things can often feel a lot more reachable mm-hmm. a lot more visible yeah after you've taken that initial kind of initial step forward and I think the big thing about you know services and access and support and things like that I think one of the things that we've spoke about before was you know a lot of people didn't realize the things that they were doing was helping with the mental health before COVID and lockdown. So, for example, uh, ice cream man, and ice cream. So, would you? Oh, we're getting sponsored by Mr. Wicked. Oh, no, it's Mr. Softy. I think that said on the phone. Mr. Softy. Sorry, going back to what we were talking about. Um, what was I talking about? Um, I don't know. My mind's mind just gone. Oh, COVID. That's it. So, a lot of people oh, yeah. were, you know. For example, go to work two or three times a week. Maybe go to the gym or go and play five sides or um, you know go go and do something. Um, over weekends again, they might go out, go to pictures, go for something to eat. Maybe go to the gym, um, see friends, um, and they were doing that just because they enjoyed doing it. But actually, mm-hmm. what it was doing was helping with the mental health. It was helping them de-stress. It was helping them, um, you, you know, just that sense of community. Connection with people, yeah, yeah. socialising, and then COVID happens, and people got furloughed, uh, or lost the jobs. The gyms closed, the pitches closed, the restaurants closed. Everything stopped. Well, and uh, yeah, absolutely. And the other thing as well, which it's so important, I think, for us to just mention is it became illegal for well, yeah, you know, for mm-hmm. for long periods, and and maybe with good reason, but it became illegal to socialise yeah. and, to, and to actually go out more than once a day. All the things that as therapists and you know having a an understanding of mental health you'd say are just awful for your mind mm-hmm. you know so and lots of uncertainty as well and that disconnect and things like that so i think obviously then since now you know such and hopefully everything's a mm-hmm. lot a lot lot better now and things have opened up and people but people have got out of the habits and the routine of doing it so going back to what we were saying before with the way our brain likes to work and it likes to use routine and habit for people who are doing all of that stuff it can now feel very strange or new or quite frightening again because it's almost like it happens to make that first step again. Yeah. Um, but it's all those things that they were doing previously that was really helping them manage and maintain a good, healthy balance with the minds and you know even physically yeah, as yeah. well. Um, so yeah, I just thought it was important to maybe mention that as well around sort of. Absolutely. Yeah, I think something that I mean I've had a few clients who've said, um, at the, you know their own individual story but with similar themes around after lockdowns so I went back to um, you know went going out and socialising with people or going to the gym again after lockdown and um, and I, I felt really anxious sort of started having panic attacks and like mm-hmm. you know I don't understand why that's happened and I think so often as well we understandably we want to believe I think we can all be susceptible to this. We want to believe that anxiety isn't something that I have. Yeah. Other people have anxiety. Yeah. I'm all right. Yeah. Um, and I know I see that it's so often that come you know that comes through the comes into the therapy room. 
clients basically saying that yeah sharing that, that that's you know it shouldn't have happened to me it shouldn't have happened to me yeah. I was strong I'm, I'm, you know I thought I was a strong person and mm. things like that mm. which as we know the reality of it is every single person has anxiety it's, mm. a, it's a it's a human emotion not it's a no, it normal human emotion yeah. everybody has it um so yeah for, for yeah and i was just going to say with that yeah so um the impact of covid things that were as you were saying by things that were previously everyday routine activities shall we say for us to do if you haven't done them for quite a while and you've also had the you know the 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 impact on your mind of the pandemic those things will you know could un understandably come with you know a lot of anxiety now or a mm -hmm. lot of kind of feeling of uncertainty and so on so um that's that's something that can be a challenge as well things that we've assumed well i've always done that so i'll always be able to do it mm -hmm. why am i all of a sudden feeling anxious about meeting yeah. up with a friend or going to the gym or you know whatever it may be going going out for something you know going out to a restaurant or mm -hmm. whatever it may be um and again it's just it comes back to everything we always talk about it's the brain is trying to keep you safe mm -hmm. but sometimes in trying to keep you safe it can it can it can encourage us and compel us to do things that actually aren't very good for us aren't helpful for us you know definitely and i think you know the biggest thing of what we wanted to try and do with with, with the series and, and having the, the guests that we've had on is sort of normalize and go and, and access and support and you, you know sort of groups and um, things that are going to help your minds your mental health your well-being um, that it's completely normal and and you know it's you know hopefully by not just this podcast or the podcast or the you know the social media and things like that that a lot more of these places are getting out there and they are becoming more normalized mm -hmm. and people are thinking okay so i don't have to have something wrong with me to, to access this it's just somewhere i go and i find it helpful for, for my mind i think one of the examples I, I gave was i remember listening to a podcast a while ago and it was talking about um like the gym in the 70s and the 80s they were only very really people only associated the gym with if you like a bodybuilder or something that they oh, in the right, 70s yeah, and 80s yeah. most people didn't go to the gym the way they go to the gym now to just because they knew it was it just kept you healthy and fit it there was almost like a not a, i don't know the stigmas maybe i don't know if stigma's the right way but there was almost this sort of association with going to the gym of when only bodybuilders go to the gym or athletes mm. where now it's completely normal for and, and for good reason for anybody to just go to the gym and exercise and mm. it, you know it's just part of your lifestyle definitely mental health and well-being should be exactly the same and uh, you know where you know any anybody and everybody should be accessing some sort of um help support lifestyle that helps keep their minds healthy yeah take care of take care of the mind yeah and i think yeah i couldn't agree more and i think it is uh, as we've mentioned you know it's definitely uh improved a lot over recent years and certainly over the past you know com compared to you mentioned there like the 80s you know over the last few decades it's it's improved immeasurably but what i'd say as well is a key thing i'd really encourage 
you know people listening and I share we share this so often with you know with clients and, and obviously you and I have these conversations as well is doing those day-to-day things is a preventative yeah in, you know mm-hmm. for your mind it actually takes care of your mind mm-hmm. so similar to as you, you know you, we, we keep using the the analogy of going to the gym if you wait until you literally feel absolutely awful and there's nothing worse than the thought of doing some exercise it's far more difficult yeah for the gym to you know for you to engage with the gym for you to take that first step and obviously for for you to get it working for you whereas if you kind of just have it as part of your routine and it's not some big intense thing where you kind of what we might say you, you know you that's that's the the, the the central thing in your life mm-hmm. is going to gym and working towards being this you know super fit athlete. It's just something that you do that's like taking care of yourself, a healthy balance, a healthy balance. And it's that meant it's your mind is exactly the same. I think the way you used before is like that preventative, but also that main maintenance. It's maintaining it. So mm-hmm. you don't go to the gym and go, okay, I've I'm, I'm feel like I've lost a bit of weight now, or I feel a bit fitter now, so I'm just going to stop going. Exactly. Because yeah. if that happens, you're going to either put that little bit of weight back on, or you're going to lose that bit of fitness mm-hmm. the idea of going to the likes of the gym and it doesn't have to be the gym it could be doing stuff outside but as an example going to the gym just helps you maintain that it just helps you get rid of that daily stress it just helps you manage sort of you know makes you feel good physically and mentally and again the likes of a lot of the support groups that we spoke about and the agencies and the services out there a lot of it is that maintenance it's just going it's having somewhere to go once a week twice a week every single day if you need to um, for you know a period of time that just helps maintain how you're feeling it builds that e- emotional strength if that's the right way the word. yeah um, definitely mate. yeah you, you know completely but, agree. but the, the one thing it, it does do is it keeps it, it, it certainly helps go toward keeping your mind healthy Mm. in the same way going to the gym helps keep your body physically healthy mm. yeah definitely I think just before just before we finish as well it'd be good to mention about some of the some of the barriers which I know we've touched on today but some of the barriers that people can can often face in you know taking care of the mind accessing support going to a, um, the services that we've mentioned or of course going to therapy um, so things like Often you leave, you know, people will say I've got the time, mm-hmm. you know, and that was something I, I got from uh, the guests that we've had on this series as well. Is there's so many services out there now and so many provisions out there that have taken that into account yeah. when they've set up their mm-hmm. their service, their operation, shall we say? Mm-hmm. Is I think it was Debbie, wasn't it? Said when um, you know one of the things she found with um, with Sean when he was getting support that a lot of the support that was, he was being signposted to or offered was sort of Monday to Friday 9 till 5 but he was working then and could, couldn't access them yeah. so I think one of the points um, that Debbie made with Sean's place is to um, put things on like a Sunday evening so if people are working Monday to Friday they've got weekends time that they can access and sort of after 5 o'clock and, and also during the day as well because obviously people work shifts and things like that mm. but the point of it is that it's be, it's more accessible so yet yeah, not having the time now it, maybe it was a barrier but it shouldn't be as much of a barrier now and even like Andy's Man Club I think they do have one running during the day but they also have evening ones I don't know if the one in Liverpool specifically is just of an evening but 
Yeah, it's Monday. Well, it's Monday evenings. The one in uh, that Andy uh, facilitates that group mm-hmm. um, in Liverpool City Centre. But it's it's again, it's invaluable, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Because breaking down those barriers. So I think time's one of them. But it, it's a similar theme to what we've just been talking about, isn't it, Brian? It's prioritising yeah. your mind, you know, mm-hmm. acknowledging and accepting that mm-hmm. it's it's so important. Yeah. That we, uh, you know, that we take care of our, mm-hmm. our mind. Um, What's that saying about time? Um, you know, meditating is healthy for you. Um, you should meditate for, you know, twenty minutes a day. And the person says, "I haven't got, I haven't got time to meditate for twenty minutes." That person should be meditating for an hour a day then. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, and um, and it really is about. Yeah just that sense of self-compassion you know mm-hmm. it's likely that on a on an objective you know <laughs> statistical level you haven't got the time yeah. but it's again because this is something I mean just to just to mention briefly about those kind of avoidance techniques that the brain can engage in avoidance behavior shall we say they don't just come in literally avoiding mm-hmm. avoidance can be getting angry all the time yeah because as we've talked about on previous episodes the ang- the emotion of anger is usually the bodyguard mm-hmm. so we put anger out there and that's our way of avoiding that we actually are feeling quite disconnected at the moment or mm-hmm. quite sad or mm-hmm. whatever it may be sometimes it can be a secondary emotion can't it exactly yeah so avoidance is a is a good example of where excuse me anger is another example of avoidance mm-hmm. um blaming others blaming, bl- blaming blaming people yeah it's everyone else's fault or yeah. there's nothing out there or and so on and so on again these are th- these are things that can be the emotional brain's mm-hmm. way of trying to keep us safe mm-hmm. by just pointing at things even if those things don't exist mm-hmm. pointing at things and saying that's the reason why mm-hmm. I can't you know help take care of my mind or access support and so on sometimes I talk about a describer as sort of we can be on autopilot a little bit where we're just sort of going along and we're just doing everything and we feel like we haven't got the time for example where it's about being able to switch that autopilot off sometimes and sitting down and looking at what time you do have and how how you're prioritizing your time and maybe part of the reason you're feeling the way you're feeling is because you're not making time to look after yourself you're not making time to have a little bit of a break from work for example or Mm. from whatever the situation is um, so yeah, definitely. Like I think time can can be a big one. And even things like like money comes from time. Be you know can't afford to get there or yeah, definitely. You know. And that was a great thing as well about all the um, the guests and their services that we've had on. You know they have so many offers, so many different ways that you can access support with yeah. them, and mm-hmm. money isn't a barrier with them. You know, um, so again, money it may it may feel certainly if you've never accessed supports before it may feel like I can't afford it because you know therapy sessions I've heard that they can cost this much and mm-hmm. this much but there's actually an awful lot of supports out there that yeah. co- you know some of it actually doesn't cost anything yeah, and there's lots of support there. Well Sean's place offer therapy as part of their you know what yeah, services yeah, yeah. that they offer and that, that that's free so yeah exactly you, you know yeah. uh, Rasa the same and mm. you, you know uh, Love Jasmine obviously Andy's Man Club is um, they don't offer therapy but it, it's a free service to to access yeah uh, so I do again you know it's, I think it's always just 
it, one of the key points I feel from this conversation is that we will we we can if we're feeling that uh, anxiety that sense of vulnerability basically if our threat response is triggered in the emotional brain we can come up with lots of different reasons why we can't mm-hmm. you know I say that in, in quotation marks why we can't access support or we can't um, do things that would help ourselves and help our mind mm-hmm. but it's about just trying to recognise that not, not, not self-criticise not give ourselves a hard time about mm-hmm. you know things that we may be doing as like an avoidance mm-hmm. behaviour that's the brain's way of trying to keep you safe yeah. but it's trying to get to the next thought and the next thought and saying okay that's probably an avoidance behaviour that actually I'm going to it's going to be scary but I am going to try and go to that group or that fishing club or that catching up with a friend mm-hmm. or obviously therapy session or whatever it may be and I think the biggest thing with accessing any sort of service or support or group is try it you know go once if you don't like it don't go back but at yeah. least you've tried it and not every service is the same so you might go along to one place and you don't feel it's for you and you, you know but that doesn't mean every single one's going to be the same so maybe if you do go to one it's not for you try another one we've said that about therapy as well haven't mm-hmm. we you know, exactly. it's so important to find the right therapist yeah. for you yeah. um, if you meet a therapist you have an assessment you know you have the first appointment and it's not not feeling not right, feel for, right you. for you yeah. don't go back that's, and that's empowering as well yeah, yeah. You know, I often say this to clients it's so, it's so important mm-hmm. that this is right for you and you know you're empowered and um, you can f- you feel empowered hopefully by that because mm-hmm. then you're like right okay why wasn't it? you can obviously have that, that conversation with yourself why wasn't it right for me mm-hmm. what did that and then you can you, you usually learn a little bit more about yourself by going well it wasn't right for me because something about that conversation didn't feel right or yeah. so on and so on okay well then what's the alternative to that what, or what's the opposite of the alternative to what wasn't right for me and then you can get closer to finding what is right for you do you yeah. know what I mean yeah, definitely um, just before we did they interrupt you then or were you no going? no just taking just, a breath just taking a deep breath like it okay um, so yeah just before we finish I think I've loved doing this series I really have meeting, yeah, I meeting brilliant people mm-hmm. and um, you know getting to know the brilliant services uh, that they that they are a part of that yeah. are available to people across the city mm-hmm. um, and continuing to try and normalise as we've been talking about today right? just accessing support yeah. you know normalising yeah. that sense of self-compassion mm-hmm. connecting with other people feeling that you belong mm-hmm. to a to a group to a conversation mm-hmm. you know and I think it's it's and something I'm very passionate about. A huge part of the reason why we, you know, we do these podcasts and we start these podcasts. Um, and mental health is here to stay. Mm-hmm. It really is. We 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 mentioned at the start of this episode, didn't we, about the the stigma around mental health? Mm-hmm. And I do a, you know, I, that, there's no doubt about it for me. That's still there. There is still a stigma, and mm-hmm. you know, a, sometimes sadly a lot of judgment still. Mm-hmm. around mental health it's getting but, better but yeah yeah oh it's definitely yeah it's definitely improved and it's still got improved you know it's still mm-hmm. got a way to go uh, definitely but I think it's important to, to just 
I just wanted to kind of state that as well that mental health is here to stay mm-hmm. you know it's not something that's a phase it's not mm-hmm. something that we like sometimes you hear that said if mental you know if, if sadly I've heard this said about criticising mental health is that mental health is such a big thing now because we're talking about it all the time we're just not I mm-hmm. know that just kind of makes me laugh that I know yeah. it's a little bit dismissive to laugh at, at that but <laughs> mental health has always been a thing we just understand it better yeah. now you know exactly. it's not that we've it's just become a thing that's why we're talk, because it, we're talking about it's it ca- it's, it's catching up with physical health isn't it physical exactly. health is here to stay you, you know we, we're always talking about physical health and yeah, yeah. you know we're encouraged to look after our physical health um, you, you know and again people just do it as they normal like we just discussed the daily routine whether that's going to the gym going for a walk just being mindful of what they're eating um, you know maybe not drinking too much all of those things where it's just a daily normal thing to be a bit conscious about your physical health mm. so mental health is just catching up to that and it's Definitely. still got a little bit more to go but you know it should be in the exact same way as physical health where we just think about how am I feeling today where's my mind at where are my stress levels at what's going on for me right now mm. do I need to take time for myself do I need to be kinder to myself yeah absolutely absolutely and um, it's you know something that has well come up with the um, with all of all of our guests on this series was that mental health impacts everybody I know we've touched on this in the podcast before but again that presumption can be and this feeds it this this has got an element of of um, avoidance mm-hmm. and avoidance behavior to it hasn't it Brian? that mental health doesn't affect people like me yeah you know which is such a broad and mm-hmm. you know often unhelpful thing to, to kind of just put big labels on ourselves but mental health affects everybody everybody has mental mm-hmm. health yeah. so mental health can impact and often does everybody of yeah. all shapes and sizes rich people poor people yeah. successful people yeah. people who are still finding themselves yeah. young old yeah. men em- women you know i think debbie was saying about people who men who access Sh- sean's place chief executives who drive big flash cars and have got successful businesses mm-hmm. and people who are struggling for job stability mm-hmm. or you know have challenges in different in different ways mm-hmm. um and I think that's such an important thing when if you th- if you if you are thinking of accessing support or you are th- feeling vulnerable mm-hmm. that first of all always start with that just proves that you're a human being yeah it just proves that you're a, you're a normal human being yeah. you know we all have mental health we can all as we said before we can all experience anxiety mm-hmm. we can all feel low mm-hmm. um so it, it it really is about and the good, the good thing now about support is you know you can either go on social media and look at look at what's available for that particular in that particular place or you can go online and even if you just went online and typed mental health support liverpool mental health support groups liverpool or something like that a list would come up and you can do a bit of research before you even go mm. most of them do you know phone sort of assessments or chats where you can just have a phone with they can maybe arrange to meet you outside and so you don't feel like you're walking in alone and things like that so i definitely encourage people to maybe just do a little bit of research themselves and again give it a try if you, you know what what's the worst that that could happen you go and you don't like it don't go back but at yeah. least you try it and i think what we're going to try and do is um you know not so much like we've done in this series but certainly the next series 
looking ahead is we're probably still going to try and get one or two agencies on aren't we to talk about what they do and again just to continue showcase what else is around for people to access in um, in the area and, and things like that and I think maybe while we're talking about the next series I think I put a post on social media um, Instagram a week or so ago just asking the people who follow us what type of um, episodes they'd like and we got quite a good bit of feedback didn't we for, for it yeah yeah thank you to uh everybody who sent us their ideas and suggestions for um, for future episodes yeah and we will I think we've already got a few uh, mm-hmm. lined up we're talking about addictions and sleep yeah um, anxiety come up again so I think although we've touched on that I think we will do another one on anxiety definitely because it's such a big area yeah um, definitely yeah uh, and yeah just before we go on next I think we're going to do a one off episode between series 3 and series 4 mm-hmm. Um what we th- I think what we thought would be good. I think we you, you, we sort of discussed it. And Mark and you were saying, you, you know, you think it would be good was um, for me to do a hypnotherapy session um, on yourself. Um, you don't know this yet, but when the episodes finish recording, you'll have cleaned the whole house. And you're gonna do you'll that in your car. The, you'll be walking around the garden like a chicken. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and that's gonna be the point of the episode, to be honest, is to maybe this. What's the word? Um, just to have a little chat about hypnotherapy and um, you know get rid of some of those sort of myths, myths around what, yeah, what yeah. Hypnoth- clinical hypnotherapy I'm talking about. Um, so you're not gonna have me doing the YMCA in the middle of the road, no? No, no, um, no. Not that day, anyway. That day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I'm really looking forward to that episode as well. So yeah, you're yeah, gonna. What will be good? I'm, I think the plan is at the moment is I'm gonna do a general hypnotherapy session with you, just sort of relaxation. But anybody listening um, can follow along with it, and it, hopefully that they will get a very similar effect. Um, obviously, and I'll do this in the show. Don't listen to it and join in if you're driving or using any machinery because you may fall asleep yeah yeah which yeah. is never good when you're driving so um so yeah and I, and I will put a warning on before we start on the next um the next episode but i'm looking forward to doing that and hopefully you'll you'll enjoy the experience because have you ever had hypnotherapy before i have not no, no? okay so it'll be a new experience for yourself yeah 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 no that'll be good i think yeah we'll we'll do that as a bit of a one-off episode and um, to break up almost the, the summer i suppose um and then and then we'll we're back, back with four. This, uh, series four, yeah. Series four, yeah. And looking forward to it. Excited. Absolutely. Um, do keep in touch. If, uh, of course, if you've got any questions for us or any suggestions for future episodes, um, do drop us a message on uh, on social media, on Instagram, and um, and I suppose also, yeah. If anyone has any idea of any guests that they'd like us to get on again, that we, that we're able to get on. Um, or if there's anybody listening that would like to come on as a guest, drop us a message because I think when I put that post out, I got a few replies of um, I suggestions of guests to come on and things like that. So um, yeah, by all means, drop us a message and if we can arrange it, we'd love to have you come on. Definitely, but a cheap date. Yeah, if you can, if, coffee if, you can come into the shed. Yeah, a nice cup of coffee. Brian makes a fantastic cup of coffee. Uh, well, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, yeah. it has. Enjoy it today. I have indeed, yeah. Just and um, I think we just need to go and get an ice cream now, don't we? Yeah, and he's gone. <laughs>
I, I could just do thanks for <laughs> you. <laughs> and I think on that note, that's, that's a wrap. Thanks for listening. Yeah, good. I do really feel like an ice cream. <laughs> Would you have a flight? Oh, yeah, I'd have a flight. I'd really nice to ah. And strawberry sauce. Yeah, strawberry sauce. Yeah, yeah. Do you have one of those thousands? I'll take them and leave it to the other side. Oh, okay. Yeah.